0: Welcome to Investing Compass. Before we begin, a quick note that the information contained in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your personal objectives, financial situations, or needs. So today we are going to do a whole episode on a single phrase priced into the market. So, what do you think, Shawnee? Can we do a whole episode on four words?
1: I think um, the real question mark is, should we do every episode on four words? We could do, this time is different, or a good one for you is, think before you speak.
0: Okay. <laughs> we could do, we could do get in the ring. So that's some sage advice for Axl Rose. Get in the
1: ring. I don't know who Axl Rose is, but that that's good advice. Do
0: you actually not know who Axl Rose no. is? Guns N' Roses? Have you heard of Guns N' Roses? I've heard
1: Guns N' Roses.
0: Okay. Well, Axl Rose is the lead singer. <laughs> okay. But, uh, but Yeah. Get in the ring. What do you think?
1: It's um, nice to hear you quoting someone that isn't Jeremy Grantham or Hemingway.
0: Okay. I mean, I guess that's something. So, Shani, we went bowling last night. We did. So, what, what do you want to say about bowling
1: Nothing. I'm really scared that you brought this up because I don't know what you're going to say about it. I'm an awful bowler.
0: Well, no, I'm very I, that's, bad. that's what I was going to say. That yeah. You, you are <laughs> actually better at almost everything than me. But one of the things that I'm better at is it's bowling. Is
1: bowling? Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're think, actually
1: pretty good. Didn't you went you in some like bowling club in the U.S.?
0: I was in a bowling club. I don't know what you're talking about. I bowled a couple times, but I beat you, (laughs) what did I beat you, six times in a row or something?
1: Yeah. I sat out the last time because I just couldn't take it anymore.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm a sore loser. Shawnee is not... The world's most graceful bowler. And as you drank more, (laughs) you started throwing the ball more and it was thudding into the lane and I thought we were going to get kicked out.
1: It's a strategy. It's a technique.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) another quote, another four words we could use. I looked this one up especially for you is how about fear makes you braver. That's a Drake quote, and Drake is your favorite artist.
1: Well, that's very nice that you looked, but it's not just me, Mark. So we have, we have these stats that we can pull from Spotify in terms of our listeners and what they listen to as well, and Drake is one of them.
0: I know. It's very strange. So it's Taylor Swift.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, And Justin Bieber. (laughs) And the
0: Rolling Stones, which you've also probably not heard of.
1: I've heard of the Rolling Stones. (laughs) Okay.
0: That's good. All right. So I think we need to go through a little bit of an origin story for this episode. And really it came up after we've heard a bunch of investors telling us that this investment or that investment is great because of a widely known and accepted theme, And the problem is, of course, that once everyone accepts something and it's widely known, it's probably not going to be a very good investment.
1: So let's use an example here. Climate change is more than an environmental and political issue. It's now an investment theme as well. And a company that is most synonymous with this theme is, of course, Tesla. So Tesla has had a pretty decent 2020 and was up a mere 720% for the year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Not a bad year for them. It's (laughs) come back to Earth a little bit. So the stock is down about 19% this year so far, but the story really remains intact. And that story is simple, right? We need to shift away from fossil fuels to save the planet, and Tesla will change the world and be the beneficiary of the shift with their electric vehicle and battery technology.
1: And that's a compelling story, and this narrative is what has investors hooked. It is easy to explain why you would own Tesla at a barbecue, and unless you're at a barbecue with Mark, you're probably not going to get challenged on why you own it.
0: Well, yeah, no, exactly, right? So, this company ticks all the boxes, right? They build cool cars. They're helping to save the planet. They're using cutting-edge technology. But it's a technology that most people can understand. And, of course, they have a newsworthy CEO who likes to smoke weed on camera and who hosts Saturday Night Live.
1: (laughs) Sounds like a pretty good time for an investment.
0: A very good time. So. The question, of course, is does this good story make for a good investment?
1: But we'll get back to Tesla. But first, let's take a step back and talk about the stock market in general. The stock market is simply a mechanism for millions of buyers and sellers to come together to transact. And a transaction is simply an agreement. Both the buyer and the seller are agreeing on something and the central thing that they're agreeing on is the price. So as there are changes in prices, different people decide to buy or sell based on that price. So even though market prices change all the time, for a split second, the price of a share or the level of an index represents the equilibrium of supply and demand.
0: Yeah, and that's right, Shiny. And I know that this can seem a little abstract, but it's an important point. It means that share prices or index levels represent the consensus of all market participants. And any investment in the share market is, of course, an investment in a company. So you're buying shares because you believe in the future prospects of a company, or you're selling shares because you don't believe in the future prospects of a company. This could be an informed decision based on deep research, or you could just be blindly following something that your mate told you – But either way, it represents a view of the future. And this view of the future can of course change. So investors, current view of the future is baked into a share price at any given time.
1: So let's pause here to reiterate a bit because this can be a complex concept to understand. So let's walk through both examples you use, Mark. So we can start with the person who bought a share in Tesla because of a conversation with a mate at a barbecue. In this case, the investor might only have an expectation that the share price is going to continue to go up without a whole lot of rationale to back this view. It might be because it went up in the past, so it'll continue to go up in the future. It might be because the investor is concerned about climate change and thinks investing in Tesla will make a difference. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that the investor thinks the share price will go up. And if this expectation isn't met, the owner of the share could turn into a seller.
0: Okay, so now let's look at a more informed investor. In this case, let's say this investor has built a discounted cash flow model. So she's estimated out future cash flows that Tesla will earn, and baked into this model are a lot of assumptions. How many cars they will sell, how much they will have to invest in new factories, how much the raw materials will cost for cars and batteries. All of the detail needed to go into this model. So this investor has expectations of the future. And that is driving her decision making process. If this model tells the investor Tesla is a good opportunity in the future, then it's likely she will buy the stock.
1: So we've looked at investors on opposite ends of the sophistication spectrum, but in both cases, future expectations are baked into the decision-making process of both of these investors. Future expectations are the driving force in all the buyers and sellers of Tesla on a daily basis. The equilibrium of all these opinions about the future for the company is represented in the share price on any given day. Long-term sophisticated investors, short-term first-time traders, everyone.
0: Yeah, and a share price does not exist in a vacuum. How it will perform in the future is not just based on how the company does. It is how the company does in comparison to all the expectations of investors out there. And I learned this very early as an investor. I would own a company and they would report results that on the surface seem great, but then the share price would fall. And it took me a little bit to figure out that All of this was about the expectations that are priced into a share.
1: You always tell me, Mark, that you set very low expectations, so you don't disappoint people.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So if I was a company, most people would assume I was headed for bankruptcy. So if I could manage to hang on to some measure of solvency, I would exceed expectations. All right, Shani, we have something exciting now. Okay. We have an ad.
1: We do have an ad. It's our first ad.
0: It is. And the ad, of course, is for Morningstar. So it's not like anyone wants to pay us. (laughs) But but yeah, here's our first ad. Morningstar Premium is designed to help you reach your investing goals. Our coverage spans over 50,000 securities and 2,000 funds and ETFs. Sign up to a four-week free trial through the link in the episode notes to access our global equity best ideas for our top picks across borders. Find shares with sustainable, above-average dividend payouts and the best opportunities at home with five-star Aussie stocks. A Morningstar Premium subscription includes a ShareSite investor plan, allowing you to track all of your investment holdings in one place. And take advantage of ShareSight's investment performance and tax reporting that has been built specifically for the needs of self-directed investors. If you love premium after your four-week trial and choose to subscribe, your subscription may be tax-deductible if you derive income from the share market. Sign up for a free trial today.
1: So speaking of low expectations, this reminds me of something you said during that event with the equity mates when this imaginary beef started,
0: which has spread to Twitter now.
1: It has, yeah.
0: The person who the person who first mentioned it tweeted about it.
1: Yeah, he did. He did.
0: Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, but <laughs> hey, I, I'm pretty impressed that you were paying attention at that event. It was at a brewery. Mm-hmm. And every time I looked up, you were heading back to the bar.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I can do both things.
0: Oh, no. Multi, multitasking. <laughs> multitasking. As long as bowling wasn't involved, because you cannot drink and no. bowl. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, what I talked about at that event is I used an example from a book by Jeremy Siegel called Stocks for the Long Run. And in this book, Siegel looked at the S&P 500 and went back to find the best performing stock between 1925 and 2007. And this, of course, included dividends being reinvested. And that company was Philip Morris. So a $1,000 investment in 1925 with dividends reinvested would be worth a staggering $380 million in 2007 and close to a billion dollars today. So, over that 82-year time period that Siegel was looking at, Philip Morris returned an average of 17% a year.
1: Now, Philip Morris is a cigarette company, and I don't think it would surprise anyone to hear that smoking declined over much of that period. Smoking peaked in the U.S. in 1961 and declined significantly since then. This was also a time period where the cigarette companies faced huge lawsuits for killing their customers. So um, there are a lot of restrictions introduced globally on advertising and warning labels. Basically, you wouldn't think it would be a good time to be an investor in a cigarette company.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right, Shani. So I'm going to quote Siegel here. Uh, He wrote about what he refers to as the basic principle of investor returns. And he says, the long-term return on a stock depends not on the actual growth of its earnings, but on the difference between its actual earnings growth and the growth that investors expected. So this is a really important point doesn't matter to an investor if she buys a firm growing at 30% if that growth is priced into the stock. If the results come in at 25%, then chances are the stock is going to get trounced. If instead you buy a firm growing at 7% when the market thinks it's going to grow at 3%, you're probably going to be in pretty good shape. So the question here is, how do you get rich? Is it buying the fastest growing company if everybody thinks it's the fastest growing company? Histories, we would suggest it isn't.
1: So this seems like a good time to turn back to Tesla. We've talked about the story and it is compelling. Global warming, electric vehicles and battery technology, what could go wrong? And the company is growing quickly. There is just a little bit of a problem here. Everyone thinks the company is going to grow really quickly. And that is why it's currently trading at around 583 times earnings. And on a forward earnings basis, it's trading at 133 times earnings. So the question, of course, is does the anticipated growth justify this earnings multiple?
0: Well, our analysts that cover the stock certainly doesn't. Think so. He has a fair value of $354, and that stock is currently trading at a 67% premium to that value. So, our analyst thinks it is a great company. He's really impressed, but he doesn't quite buy the story. We think the company is going to sell 800,000 cars in 2021, and Elon Musk said he thinks the company can sell 20 million cars a year by the late 2020s. That would make it twice the size that Toyota and Volkswagen are today. So the question here is not if Tesla is a great company. It is not if electric vehicles will eventually take over for gasoline-powered cars. It is if Tesla can meet the expectations of investors who are buying the company at 583 times earnings.
1: So it's worth exploring what other expectations are in the market. There are obviously expectations with individual stocks, and we've covered some of those in our previous episodes when we explored high-flying tech stocks and buy-now-pay-later stocks. But let's look at the overall market. There are expectations for low interest rates for years ahead, and maybe that will happen, but remember those expectations are already priced into the market. Meaning, is there an upside if those interest rates expectations are met? And what is the downside if interest rates do go up? If inflation is higher than expectations, just something to keep in mind.
0: The other area I wanted to discuss is thematic ETFs, and <laughs> these drive me crazy because they are the embodiment of everything we're talking about here. And Shawnee's laughing because this
1: is one of your favorite rants.
0: My favorite rants. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you don't you don't sell it like I'm very fun to be around. That I'm just sitting around this old man ranting about <laughs> <Yeah>. things. <laughs> Anyway, back to thematic ETFs. I don't <laughs> want to uh, don't want to interrupt my rant. Um, but why don't we start with what is a thematic ETF, Johnny?
1: Yeah. So a thematic ETF is an ETF that tracks a very narrow part of the market and is generally created after a theme has become really popular. So ETF firms are taking advantage of investor hype to get investor flows into these products.
0: Yeah. And the problem, of course, is that these things are issued when there are very high expectations from investors. And that's really good from a business standpoint as the ETF is going to be popular. But as we covered today, that popularity means that expectations are really high, which might lead to bad investment outcomes.
1: So let's cover a couple of specific examples of popular thematic ETFs. There's ACDC, which covers battery tech and lithium-related companies.
0: Yeah, and you know ACDC is a band. Yeah, I do. Okay. Well, I don't know with you anymore. I can't make these assumptions. So I've been to two ACDC concerts. Mm -hmm. And one, I saw them in Madison Square Garden Mm -hmm. in New York. And I actually, I fell asleep on the train going home. And I was with one of my mates from college. And we woke up at the end of the line and the cleaning staff were on the train Cleaning it up. And I had to take this really expensive taxi ride back to my mother's house. And I didn't have enough money to pay for it. So I had to wake her up at 2 a.m. to go pay the taxi driver.
1: Um, it's hard to know what to say about that, Mark. Um, so let's move on.
0: Well, you can ask her about it because the other thing that Chani did last night at the bowling alley is she called my mother, <laughs> who was not in. And she
1: was swimming. Yes. She told me. And now
0: and now my mother's devastated because she missed a call from Johnny. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um I've never woken her up at two AM to ask for cash, so maybe she likes me a little bit more.
0: Yeah, yeah, you just wake her up by calling her. <laughs> yeah.
1: So um let's move on. There is the Fang ETF with the ticker symbol F A N G which has 10 holdings in it and holds exactly what you would expect it to. There is a video games and eSport ETF with the ticker symbol ESPO.
0: Yeah, so all of these ETFs have great stories. And these great stories make them easy to understand and, of course, relatable because there's a powerful narrative attached to them.
1: And we don't rate these ETFs because we choose to focus on core building blocks of portfolios, and we just don't think that they fit the bill. We should probably do a whole episode on these, but for today, let's move on.
0: Okay. So maybe why don't we talk about how we can play this expectations game as investors. And the first thing to do is to realize that known and widely accepted information is already baked into the prices of shares. So you need to have a different view than the market to earn a return that beats the market. So maybe Tesla is going to sell 20 million cars by the end of the decade. But that prediction is probably already priced into the stock, which means there's probably very little upside at this point from buying a share, trading, at over 500 times earnings if they just match those expectations. So you should have a different view than the market if you want to buy Tesla. If you are our an analyst who thinks it's unlikely that they'll hit this mark, then you shouldn't own the stock. If you think they're going to sell 25 million cars, then maybe you should buy it. So remember that you need a different point of view to outperform. And this kind of leads into the second thing that you can do as an investor. When you're researching a company, you should spend some time thinking about the expectations that are baked into the price. So just by thinking about what these expectations expectations are, you can start to figure out if you think it's actually feasible. And it is one reason that I do like our analyst reports. So, whether you agree with their conclusions or not, can make you think about these expectations because our analysts actually outline what goes into their fair value.
1: So, this reminds me of something we discussed before in our episode when we covered selecting investments to help achieve goals. Um, so, we talked about how part of your IPS is trying to find companies that are trading at distressed levels.
0: And IPS, Shani, that's investment policy statements.
1: <laughs> yes. You give me a lot of flack for this investment policy statement. but. Anyway, you talked about finding shares to buy that were trading at tem- temporarily depressed levels. Um, so how does that come into play with this scenario?
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm often temporarily depressed. <laughs> yeah.
1: I just we're, knew you're going to make that joke. Yeah, yeah, I know.
0: I'm predictable. <laughs> that uh, that means it might not be temporary, right? But I'm yeah. often temporarily <laughs> yeah. depressed. But anyway, um, yeah, no, it's it's pretty simple when we're talking about temporarily depressed share prices. <laughs> um, and when I say when I talk about those companies, what I'm talking about is. Situations where great companies fail to meet some sort of lofty investor expectations, and there's an overreaction by the market on the downside. So, you know, I've been pretty vocal that I think the overall market, in particular sectors and stocks, are way overpriced. And that naturally happens in markets when this combination of hype and greed work their magic. So that is an overreaction on the upside from the this time is different crowd, but the same thing happens on the downside when those expectations are not met. So remember that a great investment is a great company that is trading at an attractive price. Not meeting expectations but still performing well can result in a great company going on sale.
1: Well, hopefully we've exceeded your expectations on this episode of Investing Compass.
0: Maybe maybe people have low expectations of this, just <laughs> yeah. like everyone has of me. But, uh, but yeah, thank you guys for joining. We would love any comments, um, ratings in your podcast app, and also my email address is in the show notes. Have any questions or you have a suggestion for a future topic, just please send it to that email.